Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rust Belt Startup. I'm your host, Ryan Miller. And Rust Belt Startup is typically, typically a podcast uh, focused on long conversations with artists, entrepreneurs, people living unconventional lives in unconventional locations. This is not that. Uh, man, I've, I've been away from uh, the podcast uh, production end of, uh, of my life for quite a while now, and I am trying to get back on the horse um, as I was telling some other folks today in a different Facebook Live, you know, I think part of it is uh, it's not for lack of um, feeling like I have stories to tell or uh, opinions to opine on. It is a lot of it is is frankly just I think good old fashioned fear um, that what I'm uh, putting out is uh, doesn't maybe people aren't going to dig it. But I'm getting over it. I'm getting over it. And I've got a whole bunch of, of different um, interviews. I've got some podcasts banked up, and I'm hoping to start publishing again um, on a semi-quasi-occasional regular basis. And uh, so today's going to be a shorty episode, and I'm going to do more of these things as some of these um, these thoughts and issues uh, come to mind. Uh, and so today, I want to talk a little bit about NFTs. Um, so... It, there's there's almost a, a, a mania around NFTs right now, and if you don't know what uh, NFTs are, they stand stand for non fungible tokens, uh, also known as NFTs. I actually like that quite a bit, um, and they're a unit of, of proof of ownership that runs on the Ethereum blockchain. So it is it is a a an application that runs on a essentially a, a, a cryptocurrency um, uh, a cryptocurrency blockchain of Ethereum. Other blockchains are being developed to um, more readily service NFTs, but for the sake of today's discussion, we're going to talk about NFTs on ETH. Uh, so you may have read about the explosion of NFTs popularity and people paying ungodly sums of money for them over the past uh, weeks and months, uh, but it's actually been going on quite a bit longer than that. And the best known NFT right now is probably a collection of 5,000 daily pieces of digital art uh, created by the artist Beeple. And that was sold through Christie's Auction House for $69 million uh, a couple of months back. Interestingly, uh, the, the buyer of that paid in ETH as, as well. So this is an unbelievable amount of money. And I've been trying to read as much as I can about NFTs to understand the space. And honestly, there's, there's probably nothing that I could tell you uh, right here that, that isn't better explained by somebody else if you take a deeper dive. Uh, but what I wanted to do on today's podcast is take a quick primer uh, and talk about really what some of this might mean as the NFT space develops. So on its face, uh, one, one of the best analogies that I've heard is that uh, I can take a picture of the Mona Lisa, but I don't own the Mona Lisa. So an NFT, again, non-fungible token, it's really a record. Uh, it's, it's an immutable record uh, that is attached to the blockchain. And, and the blockchain is, is this series of transactions in a ledger that is decentralized by computers around the world. So once a, a, uh, there is a block, once a transaction happens on that blockchain, it cannot be changed. So it's really an effective tool at showing ownership. It's kind of like a, a proof that you own the master recording of an audio track or something like that. So I might have an MP3 of a song, uh, but I'm owning I own the copy of the song. I don't own I don't own the song, the master recording of the song. So it's this idea of being able to create digital scarcity and 
true ownership of a digital asset. So my first thought was, this is stupid. And uh, upon further reflection, you know, I think like a lot of technologies, um, you know, name your sector. Uh, this is not stupid. It's just really early. It's the very earliest stages of, of this kind of tech. So in theory, you know, you're going to be able to do so many other things with this uh, technology. And I believe that they're going to become ubiquitous and grow far beyond um, the use of uh, proving ownership of, of digital art. So, for example, um, you know, I can attach uh, what's called a smart contract to a NFT. Uh, so whenever that artwork, whenever that NFT changes hands, if, if I sell it to you um, automatically in that smart contract, the original creator could get a commission uh, on that sale. Let's say 10% would go to the author in perpetuity. So every time that piece of art is sold, uh, according to that digital smart contract, 10% of that is going to be routed uh, to the, uh, the digital wallet, the crypto wallet of the original artist. We can program these NFTs, which is, which is incredibly interesting because that doesn't happen right now with a piece of art. If I buy a piece of art that is uh, uh, from, from a gallery, I own that piece of art and I, it may come with a, a certificate of authenticity, which is wonderful. But when I, if I buy uh, uh, that piece of art and then I sell it to someone else, the original artist doesn't get a commission on that. It just is a private transaction between two people. So it enables, you know, almost like residual payments, royalties even, on pieces of, of digital art, which is really amazing. Same thing can go for uh, music or really any kind of, of digital, digital good. So... It's also pretty easy to mint these things. Now, it's not cheap right now to, to mint them. You can go through different services that handle that minting and, and put that NFT on the ETH blockchain. Uh, and I've been playing around with this myself. In fact, um, a few weeks back, I uh, uh, almost successfully minted my first NFT of an unreleased um, song that I had uh, written and recorded about 10 years ago and thought, that would be interesting. I'll make uh, an NFT and, and, and put that out. And the minting process um, that I was looking at, I, I went through a site called Rarible, and I would have to pay for the minting of that NFT using Ethereum or ETH for short. For short. Um, so you got to get some ETH. And uh, in theory, once that's minted, uh, they have a marketplace on that site along with other, um, uh, uh, you know, different different sites that sell NFTs. It's becoming quite the economy right now. In theory, uh, you could buy the one and only copy of my MP3 if you wanted to. Now, I have no idea if anyone would ever pay for that, but you could. You know, I could also issue a limited run. I could issue uh, a limited run of 10 copies of the official NFT. I mean, really, it's, you know, if you guys remember uh, several years back, uh, I don't know what year this was, like 2013 or something like that. Remember the Wu-Tang put out... Um, a record where they made one copy of it and they did an auction for it. So it was, you know, it was in this beautiful, ornate, uh, handcrafted box, but they made an album and they made one copy. They, they really created, in effect, uh, digital scarcity. It was one CD uh, that, was, that was made. And uh, so if we can learn anything from Wu-Tang, they were just uh, a little bit ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, creating scarcity. So we can do that. With our um, uh, with with our NFTs now, we can create that that level of, of digital scarcity. So, 
Let's talk a little bit more about what this means beyond the art world, because I think that's really where um, the opportunity is going to be from a from a business per stand, uh, standpoint, from a creative uh, standpoint. And um, I was listening back to an interview uh, a couple weeks ago right now, which I think is, is one of the, the better interviews in this space with Kara Swisher uh, from the New York Times. Uh, her podcast is called Sway, and she actually had an interview with, uh, with Beeple, the, the, the artist that sold that $69 million NFT. Uh, so I'm going to link this up in the show notes when this podcast goes live. Um, and it was a really great interview. It'll give you a great primer on the art side of this. Um, they go into a lot of great analogies as to not only what NFTs are and what it might mean for the art world, but um, let's go beyond that a little bit. So um, that conversation really opened my eyes to the possibilities of what NFTs can do in terms of digital ownership. So once you can tokenize something, and that's really all you know, a cryptocurrency is, they're, they're, they're tokens, right? They're coins, they're, they're tokens. Once you can tokenize something and you can break those tokens into very, very small pieces, uh, this creates a lot of very interesting things because what you're really doing is you are uh, creating value around anything. And you're also able to cre- um, uh, uh, fractionalize that ownership of anything. So think about the fractionalization of virtual or real world real estate, right? So what would be preventing us from say, we are going to issue, um, uh, uh, we're going to issue our own token uh, and uh, we're going to issue our own essential, essentially currency. And with those people that buy that, that, um, uh, that currency, we're going to use those real world dollars to purchase a piece of property and smart contract in where all of the um, uh, the owners or the holders of that token receive their share of the profit from the sale of that property. So if you know, essentially, it's a marketplace of fractionalized ownership around you know what, what could be very real real estate. Think about virtual real estate. Um, it's the proof of ownership. You know, furthermore, as we as we start to make these things easier, when you buy a real house, maybe your deed will come with an NFT. The title of your car or maybe the repair history will come with an NFT because it's an immutable proof of ownership. Your diploma might come with an NFT uh, because it's, again, immutable. It's you are the person that, that's holding it. So these, these NFTs can all be attached to physical objects. And this is where I think it gets really, really interesting. Because not only can we fractionalize ownership of an object using a smart contract and cryptocurrencies, um, you know, when Kara asked Beeple where this ultimately goes, he had basically a one-word answer, and he said Instagram. Now, this really bummed me out, uh, but I also think it's pretty smart because he said, you know where this goes is Instagram potentially long-term baking in the ability for its users to create and buy NFTs from the people they follow. So really, any Instagram post could be sold or have a limited run of digital originals available right in the app. So maybe I'm an artist or I'm a photographer and I create my post um, and I generate an NFT and I say, hey, there's going to be 10 original copies of this Instagram post and I'm going to sell those directly to my, my viewers and my fans and they can decide what they want to pay for that piece of art. Or you know, maybe that becomes a, a fractionalized ownership. 
and they can buy that right within the app. So it's a way for creators to get paid. It's a way for people to start buying and owning original, and I'm going to put this in quotes, scarce versions of digital artwork. Because I think what we're seeing right now with digital art, it's just becoming an alternative asset class. You know, when we think of asset classes, we're thinking about stocks and bonds traditionally, those kinds of things. But when I talk to young people in, in my role in teaching and advising entrepreneurs, um, inevitably when, when you know, the talk of crypto comes up or, or things like that, um, a lot of them have been you know, trading on Robinhood in, in what we would call traditional, um, you know, uh, 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 traditional assets. But they're, they've been participating in these alternative asset classes for a long time, you know, buying Bitcoin, buying Doge before everything crashed. Uh, but they've been trading in things like sports cards, uh, flipping Air Jordans, sneakers, clothes. It's, it's all the same thing. They're all assets. And although these NFTs are just digital, it's really being treated as a store of value. People, they're finding value in this, this digital file. They have the proof of ownership and they're holding it, believing that it will hold value and have more value uh, for someone else, that it will in fact appreciate over time. So, you know, we, we purchase all kinds of physical goods to send social signals to our peers. So a great example of this might be a Rolex. So a Rolex watch tells the same time as my, my cheap watch or my Apple watch or something I could buy on Amazon or your cell phone. But wearing a Rolex sends a signal. It sends a signal that you're telling people, I'm successful, I can afford a Rolex. And as more and more of our lives, for better or worse, are being spent in the virtual space, whether that's in, in games, in online communities, um, Aren't digitally scarce items, you know, like a like a photo, like a like a piece of art, like a crypto punk, like a custom sword in Fortnite, a custom character skin, aren't they similar? I mean, they're digital, but they have the same function to those in that community of sending a signal about that particular user. So NFTs are in a lot of ways an extension of that Rolex, sending a signal of digital scarcity and value. So when this first came out, honestly, you know, I was reading the story of, of Beeple's work and, and, and the sale. And my first reaction was, again, this was dumb. Why would you pay for something that I can just go online and get a copy of? I can follow his Instagram feed for free. I could screenshot those, those images. I could blow them up. Again, I guess the, it comes back to I can take a picture of the Mona Lisa, but it's not the Mona Lisa. That analogy really brought it home for me. I've also been paying attention to uh, what Gary Vee has been doing with his VFriends NFT collection. And if you're not familiar with that, you can go to, I think it's vfriends.com, V-E-E-F-R-E-F-R-I-E-N-D-S.com. Um, and he issued thousands of these tokens based on little doodles that he makes. So, you know, he's not trying to be an, an artist. And here's where I think this was an interesting take on NFTs. Um, the holders can sell the tokens uh, and hopefully make a profit or, or hold them. And they can use them as a pass to an experience like a conference, like private consulting and a lot more. So it's this, this blend of a digital asset and a physical experience that I think is incredibly interesting. So he offered these tokens through a Dutch auction and I did follow it. I ultimately decided to sit this out. I mean, the, the price for one of these NFTs you know, many, many of them really started uh, at over $1,000, and, and some went much, much higher than that. 
Uh, so too, too rich for my blood. Uh, I don't own any NFTs, but I think, you know, with a lot of technology, uh, this is something that, again, it's not dumb. It's just really early. And I'm very interested to see what the evolution of this space uh, brings in terms of creating not only certificates of authenticity, but digital scarcity. So uh, I guess the question that I have for you all is, have you minted any NFTs? Do you, do you own any? I'd love to get a conversation going. I'd love to talk to someone in this space that might be doing some uh, buying and selling of NFTs, um, interview style. So if that's you, or if you know someone uh, that, that would be a great person to talk to, shoot me a message, hello at rustbeltstartup.com, and let's talk. I hope you all have a great, great week.